Everyone wants to be entertained. And if your video is entertaining, then it's just going to make those facts and those figures that you intersperse throughout it that much more easily digested. From Myriad Media, a show that explores the audience, business, and creative sides of developing video campaigns. Hi everyone, I'm Jeremy Wingle, and on today's episode, I sit down with director Spike Hoban. We discuss animatronic dinosaurs, Star Wars robots, and making story-driven documentary-style videos. Here we go. Well, Spike, I'm excited to be sitting down with you today. We don't normally get to work together, but this is uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. So let's just start off by having you tell us, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, a little bit about you and what you focus on here at Myriad. The cool thing about Myriad is we all get to do a little bit of everything. So I started out just editing, basically talking head, interview-driven, two- to three-minute corporate video. And if you do that enough, you just kind of uh, see opportunities to make them better. And you, you kind of find out that when you do that, you end up making a better end product. You just make a more entertaining video. Yeah. So what are some examples of that? What are some ways that you've done that in those particular situations? What sort of things have you spotted and tried to push to make better? It usually starts with the person you're interviewing. Um, Sometimes when a client approaches you, especially a corporate client, they have certain people in mind that they feel like should be in the video because they're the ones who are were most involved in the project or the technology or the you know whatever it may be you know they're they're the experts and it is good to to hear from those people but it doesn't mean they have to be on camera they can be behind the scenes to make sure that we're getting all the the facts and figures right but maybe you want to talk to someone who was impacted by that technology that they may not know how exactly the technology works, but it was a, a positive or impactful story um, because of the technology. So the projects that I have enjoyed the most focused on the stories that came out of the technology being put into practice. So that some some of the early instances were sort of almost accidental, like you stumbled upon a story or you, you found it through the process of either editing it or, or working on it? The really good ones, the client recognized that, oh, this was a, a cool thing that happened because of the technology and that would make a great video. You can find those cool stories if you're able to make your client take a step back and say like, hey, maybe... It would be more worth our time instead of having the, you know, the technology officer talk about the facts and the figures. A lot of these guys know these stories. You know, they they have particular stories in mind, good outcomes from the technology being put into use. Um, they just almost go through the motions of making these videos, though, because they really don't know any better. But as soon as you ask them, like, well, what's your most favorite thing that has happened after you guys kind of released this software? They light up, you know? So they have the story. They just need to be encouraged 
to tell it and to bring it to light? Yeah. I mean, like, if you ask them, what are some of the stories that you tell friends and family about the work that you've done? You know, the, the piece of software technology that you're working on, and they'll sit there and recite them to you. And you can ask them, well, why aren't we making videos about that stuff? And they'll kind of look up in the air and be like, I don't know. So does asking them about those stories and kind of pressing them on those things, has that changed the, the relationship with those clients? Yeah, for sure. They have some trepidation at first. They might look at you a little weird because they're so used to seeing the run-of-the-mill talking head corporate video, and that's how they feel like it needs to be. Our audience isn't interested in some flashy cinematic video. They just want to know the facts and the figures. How is this going to help me in my business? And that's true to a certain extent, but at the end of the day, we're all human, and no one wants to sit through a three-minute talking head boring video that just spews a bunch of shit at you. Everyone wants to be entertained. And if your video is entertaining, then it's just going to make those facts and those figures that you intersperse throughout it that much more easily digested. Hmm. Okay. So it, it seems like in recent years, as Myriad's evolved, as you've kind of grown in your career, we've set out and done these types of videos that have a story, that have a human element a little bit more intentionally than perhaps we did in the past. Can you talk a little bit about how that evolution occurred? Like how, how you transitioned from primarily working in an editing role to getting the opportunity to direct and, and to jump into those types of projects? Yeah, you just you start to speak up about it and you interject and you grow a little bit of confidence and you start having those conversations with the client. It's like, can we do a, something a little bit different this time? And you come to find out that they're having these same thoughts too, that they're just going through the motions because they feel like they have to. Um, but in their heart of hearts, they know like, yeah, these are pretty boring, but this is kind of how it has to be, right? Well, no. I mean, I, unless it's some sort of press release where it's like, we just need to get this information out so other people can integrate it into their media. But at that point, it's just put it in a white paper. It doesn't need to be a video. Don't make a video at that point. Yeah. Well, so you've kind of thrown them a lifeline and in some cases given them permission to do something different. Yeah. Let's try something cool together and just see how it goes. With a new relationship, it can start with something that's more of a, it's a lower barrier to entry. Maybe the budget's a little lower. It's not as high risk that if it doesn't go right, you know, that they're going to get a lot of backlash from maybe their higher ups or colleagues of theirs. Um, and that, that's a good way to build a relationship because I, they, they are looking for that stuff too. You know, how, how can I differentiate my work? Um, we can help people do that. Mm -hmm. Are there any kind of crucial characteristics of that relationship that need to be there in order to kind of gain that trust? Just having the confidence to voice those sorts of opinions you know, not being afraid to have that conversation with them up front. It's like saying, creatively, we can do better than this. Why don't you let us try? That could be just in the edit. 
we get the content in the can during the interview, they're happy. They know that they can turn that into the video that they need to achieve their goals. And then you say, hey, give us uh, an extra 10 hours to play with it. Maybe do something a little out of left field or something a little more colorful. And then you can just go from there. The best examples that I can think of, we had to build to that point. And then there came a time when they had a project. They, they recognized that there was a good story there. And they said, here's your budget. Go. Just do it. And we did, and it was awesome. Uh, we got complete creative freedom because they trusted us. But it, it did take a while to get there. Yeah, so it's building the trust so that you are allowed some creative freedom to, to experiment, try something different, push the envelope a little bit more. Yeah, there's a, there's a few examples that I can think of where the client didn't lay eyes on anything until we were basically delivering it. They had a few notes, we addressed them, but you know, it was, the project was already 95% done. And there, there's something to say about quick turn projects because uh, that's another good way to build trust is those quick turn projects where there's really no opportunity to get too many cooks in the kitchen and, and overthink it. And in that you do get a little more freedom to just go for something cool and hope it works out. Um, and when it does, then you, then you grow a lot of trust. Because you're able to kind of capture and maximize that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, they've, they realize that they, they had to loosen the reins because of the tight deadline. And in doing so, they got a better end product because they loosened the reins and they let us just go with something. And you can't, you can't really create that opportunity. It has to present itself. So the right project has to come along but recognize when it does and you say, oh, this is, we, we can do something cool here, go for something a little bigger and improve ourselves that creatively we can bring something to the table. That sounds like it has a bit of a, a thrill and adrenaline rush kind of feature to it. Yeah, like um, one project, we got a call from the client on a Thursday, it was like a Wednesday, um, we're piecing together the crew on Thursday, we're flying, out of country Friday, shooting two days, uh, having the footage overnighted, um, and then delivering it two days later. You know, it was just a, a week turnaround, basically. Wow. From first call to them posting it online. Those are some of my favorite projects because you don't have time to. Can't overthink it. You can't overthink it. You don't second guess anything. You just go with it. Cool. Well, those are those sound like some pretty fun, quick, fast-paced projects. So, let's change gears for a minute and talk a little bit about we. You know, we've talked about how you've been able to capture these opportunities in the moment um, on quick turn projects or things that you spotted as you were working. Let's shift a little bit and talk about how you might be on the lookout earlier on, um, perhaps in the strategy phase to find stories that are going to provide those opportunities. Um, but taking kind of the more strategic approach of being able to spot them in advance. Yeah. So you could do this with clients that you already have a relationship with, 
or you could try to reach out to clients that you would like to work with, maybe just a, a discovery phase. We just want to come in and get to know you, the work that you're doing, how you're Im- impacting your customers, and look for potential opportunities to create some cool content for you. You could do that to start a relationship with a new client. You could do that with existing clients where, say you have a company that's into robotics. Um, They're creating uh, automation for manufacturing and they, they make, I don't know, like tool heads for robotic arms and they're, they're used to talking about what they do in a very specific way. The technical features yeah. and aspects of, of how it works and how it functions and what it does. Yeah, but then you come to find out that the tool heads that they're making for these robotic arms are, are building like MRI machines that are changing lives. You know, like you could, it, there, there's so much impact that uh, originates from the work that they're doing that they're just not used to talking about. You can find stories like that to do great videos. It's just, it might take someone like us as a creative company or whoever it may be that's in a creative field, doesn't have to be in video, just to understand that you can, you can help these companies find these impactful stories. Sure. What would you define as an impactful story? You know, we've talked about how in the strategy phase we go out and we might find several different um, situations where someone has used a particular piece of technology or, or a product or service, what are you looking for that you think is going to create an impactful story? We've been toying with this idea that technology doesn't, you don't have to talk about the technology for the technology's sake, that the whole, the whole uh, idea behind technology is that it helps humans, you know, all the reasons why technology is awesome. It's like the bicycle versus walking, the car versus the bicycle. Just automation in general has helped us live longer. Medicine, all that stuff, it all kind of stems from helping people. And, you know, those are the most impactful stories. It's, It's a pretty easy connection. Technology helping people. Go find the stories where technology has done that. There's millions of them, but tech companies, for whatever reason, just get caught up in their own little bubble and and talking about the tech itself and not its impact. So if we've gone out and we've found a few stories, a few potential stories, and there's a human element of how people have used a particular piece of technology, how do you, do you begin to develop that idea and creatively express that idea to create a video? I think that what the technology itself really matters. Tonally, you, it could be from one extreme to the other. Like, what is it that you're talking about? Are you talking about this, this technology is helping, I don't terminally ill people, people with cancer? Obviously, tonally, that would be much different than our technology helps people people go to space or drive a faster car yeah play video games being in tune tonally with what the technology is doing um, with that requires a lot of research I mean, you kind of have to be a little bit of a geek yourself the subjects of the stories themselves play a a big part Um, what's their energy like 
you know, are they, are they super passionate about it or are they serious about it? Um, that affects just the types of questions you might ask them. Those things together will inform the edit. I mean, everything about the edit, the music, the pacing. Yeah, but all of that stems from just collaboration with the client and then us internally through the whole production process, brainstorming sessions. But that all just kind of leads back to us doing the job of being in tune with the technology and technology in general, being up on current events and, you know, what's just kind of popular in the tech world. Yeah. Doing a lot of research, reading a lot of articles, uh, you know, we're in here, we're all pretty in tune to that stuff because we're, we're a bunch of nerds and tech geeks as well as movie buffs and we all watch television and Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff. So it's really just kind of the perfect blend of nerdery. So we, we can get everything right. We like talking to the audience that we do, like CTOs or a chief marketing officer at a, at a company like IBM or, or whoever it may be, um, because th- those people themselves are geeks. Geeks is probably... Careful now. Some of those people might be listening. <laughs> I'm a geek. But we're saying it in the in the endearing sense. Yeah, in the endearing <laughs> sense. Geeks are cool again. True. Silicon Valley has helped make that true. <laughs> yeah. So for that reason, like I think we've gotten pretty good at being able to, to stay, to be in tune with the tech world and uh, find these cool stories to, to focus our video work on. Are there any particular areas of technology that you enjoy nerding out on? Obviously, like cameras, aerospace is awesome. Any sort of transportation technology is really cool to me. Uh, computing, IT security, for whatever reason, is really cool to me. Quantum computing is going to be really awesome. That's going to like change things. That with AI, like those two things together. It's kind of scary. Just the, whatever the next level of computing is, plus artificial intelligence, and then somehow allowing humans to interface with that stuff. The singularity is near. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, we're working on ways for our brains to be able to interface with crazy amounts of computing power. Um, you know, I, I could just, like, read about that stuff all day um so yeah i mean basically all technology is cool to me robotics is really cool there's just something about robots yeah it sounds like you are fascinated by the combination of things though it's not necessarily any one particular technology it's putting them all together and seeing what what we can do yeah i mean it's all kind of converging Okay, so we talked about beginning creative development when you start to narrow down options. I think we should jump into a couple of examples. So there's two projects that you recently worked on that I really enjoyed. Um, I'm kind of torn between which is my favorite. I've watched them both a few times. I think by now you probably know which ones I'm talking about. So um, one of them has kind of a Star Wars feel. One of them has a Jurassic Park feel. Both two movies I'm torn between. Which one is my favorite? 
I also nerd out on movies and especially kind of the, the classic ones. Um, so let's talk about those a little bit. So the BB-8 um, video that we did for IBM, it coincided with the release of The Force Awakens. Tell me a little bit about how that idea came to be and, and how you started to sort of create that concept. So our, our client saw this opportunity for a really cool video because this, there was the story of this guy who used um, a, an EKG headset. It's like an off-the-shelf. You can order it online. You know, it's 100 bucks. You put it on your head, and all of a sudden you have this device that is reading your brain waves. And you can, you know, it basically turns your brain waves into ones and zeros, into data that you can use to, to do whatever you want. Um, you know, it can read your quote-unquote thoughts, but not really. It's, it's just kind of measuring different areas of your brain. Um, when you visualize something with your brain, you know, you can try to see um, a rubber ball on the table that isn't there. You're activating a certain part of your brain, and that headset can see your brain doing that. So what if you took that information and made it move a little robot around? Just the very act of me envisioning a ball on the table could make a robot move around. It'll take that information and then through software tell the robot to move. So that's sort of like the force, right? Yeah. You could even put your hand out if you wanted to. So this is what this guy did. He saw uh, one of those Sphero toys, BB-8 toys. He saw the headset. And because he's a software developer, immediately put those two things together and was like, holy shit, I can make the force real. And so he did um, using uh, IBM Bluemix just as a platform to develop that really um, simple piece of software and the, the, the software made it easy for him to do it. So we, we went out and made a video uh, with him with the headset on, BB-8 on the ground and him with his hand out making it move. Um, so he effectively using this IBM technology and these two devices made the force real, you know. Uh, as as real as we could ever, you know, make it in our world. So, uh, and it, and it just happened to line up with the new Star Wars coming out. So it it, it was kind of the perfect storm. Um, but you know, it it took our client to recognize the opportunity for an awesome video, and that's really like that does so much of the work. You know you interject little homages to the the movie itself like bb-8 the toy kind of peeking out from around the corner or it's scurrying across the ground in a setting that kind of looks star wars like and then you get the music and his interview has a certain look and it, you know it, it just it was easy to just make it very star wars like because everyone knows it you built the world around uh around this subject and this expert on technology, but that could have very easily been 
a guy sitting against a gray background and just talking about that particular piece of technology and not shown any of that. Yeah. And it, I mean, it definitely helped that he was passionate about it. You could tell, um, he was, he was so willing to talk about the idea of making the force real. You can get lucky or unlucky there. It's like how passionate about this is the person. And that, that is a judgment call that you might have to make. Like just because this guy did it, you know, it's sure you should feature him, but maybe interviewing him isn't the best way to do it or interviewing him on video isn't the best way to do it. Maybe you have to write it for him, uh, have work it as voiceover, um, or just have him give, have the person give the input to make sure you get all the facts right, but just approach the video in a, at a different angle so you don't, you don't feature someone who isn't the most comfortable on camera. So there was a, a, a little bit of luck that played in that he happened to be comfortable on camera for this particular project. Yeah, I mean, just, just the fact that he was, he was comfortable on camera. Um, we got lucky in the fact that we featured him on camera, but we just have easily could have gone about it a different way if, you know, he was too nervous or he wasn't willing to talk on camera. There are other ways to, to do it. Sure. If, if, uh, if a client is particularly, it's, it's particularly important for them to be on camera, is there anything that, that you've been able to do to make someone more comfortable or to help sort of coax that performance out of someone who's not, you know, been on camera a ton? Yeah. I mean, it's so much more comfortable for a lot of people to just do an audio interview and then show, show them through B-roll, you know. I'm on the other side of the camera, so I can only imagine being one of these people featured on video and having to talk eloquently in complete sentences. It's difficult, and some people just can't do it. There's nothing wrong with that, and it's up to us to recognize that. And maybe it's just an audio interview, and uh, you transcribe it, you piece together the story, and then you build your B-roll off of that. Yeah, there's just other ways to do it. But it, it seems like kind of building the, the tone and the mood and, and the world of the subject matter seems to be really important to what the final video ends up looking like, being more intriguing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, all right. So let's, let's switch over to the Dinosaur Island piece. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that. So that one was in the UK as well. Tell us a little bit about that. It was for IBM and they have these guys called master inventors, which is like the coolest title. Um, so this guy, Andy Stanford Clark, uh, a master inventor for IBM who lives on the Isle of Wight, which is in Southern England. And if you know it, it's, uh, an Island kind of built atop these chalk cliffs, you know, white cliffs with big uh, battering waves crashing against it a lot of pastures and greenery and boulders and it, it totally looks like Jurassic Park so that helped like location wise the fact that he lived on an island like this but what he was doing was uh, helping a local 
amusement park that he frequented with his kids automate their animatronic dinosaurs with raspberry pies, you know, affordable, small computers and um, using IBM technology to, uh, to program it. So now instead of, you know, this brontosaurus that just moves its head back and forth and wags its tail at regular intervals, it's now communicating with the other animatronic brontosauri or whatever the plural is for that. <laughs> and they're roaring in unison. Sounds terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> so there might be like a mother dinosaur uh, that's in the same pasture as, you know, its children. And when it roars, the children call out. So he's, he's been able to kind of make it a little bit, a little bit more believable, I guess, using uh, some, yeah, cheap computers and some, some software, some code um, with an IBM, this IBM Bluemix platform to make it easy. And then he, he taught the park staff how to use all this so they could just expand on it from there. So now they're, they've talked about putting, hiding little cameras next to the T-Rex. So when the kids walk down the path, the T-Rex's head is following them um, crazy stuff like that. What so. is what age group is this park geared at? That sounds terrifying. I mean, I'm I'm a grown man, and I think I would probably jump into the bushes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you just think about it, going to a park like that as a kid, where you know it might be cool for a second, but then you kind of quickly realize, oh, it's fake. Yeah. But they're able to just make it that much more entertaining when unexpected things like that happen wait that that t-rex is following me around like entertaining the, it's, or it's terrifying looking, <laughs> yeah it's looking right at me so yeah we we did a video about andy and the work that he was doing with this park you know he was helping his community in a way but it just like in a really awesome unique way using technology when we do stories like this it doesn't have to be um impactful in a really serious way it can be impactful in a light, fun way, and that's what that video was. And it was just easy to take it in the Jurassic Park direction. It's just kind of obvious because of the the setting and the fact that it was about dinosaurs. So we found some Jurassic Park-like music. We brought a drone out there and got like the whole big sweeping shot coming into the cliffs and up onto the island. And we even we had Andy during his interview drink from a clear plastic cup so when he would put it down we uh banged on the table so you could see the water ripple or we we dressed him in a denim shirt um with a red t-shirt underneath it to kind of hint at the main character of jurassic park uh in that similar wardrobe little touches like that that you can given time brainstorm around and make the video a little bit more unique Cool. Well, we'll definitely put links to both of those videos in the show notes so you can uh, check those out, listeners at home. Uh, <laughs> before we wrap up, Spike, uh, if some of our clients or prospective clients out there were, were thinking about making this sort of video and really wanted to tell a real story or documentary style story about their technology, what, what advice would you give them? Making documentaries is difficult no matter what you're talking about and you can get as creative 
as you want, trying to interject these little details, trying to make it like Jurassic Park or Star Wars. But at the end of the day, if you don't find passionate, driven people to make this the documentary about, then it can only go so far. So do the proper groundwork to find great subjects for your documentary. And then, you know, a lot of the work will be done for you. If you find the right people with a good story, you just turn the camera on and you just start having a conversation. So while that sounds easy, it's just doing the proper groundwork first to find these people. Then it will be easy. Sounds like great advice. All right. Well, I think that's all we've got time for today. Thanks, Spike. Yeah, I appreciate it. Talk again soon. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any questions or topics you think we should cover, hit us up. Drop us a line on myriadmedia.net or at myriadmedia on all of your favorite social media platforms. We'll be back soon with more ways video can help boost your brand's marketing impact.